Behind the Tin, a podcast that introduces you to the heroic men and women who wear the tin while protecting our community and hearing about the extraordinary things they're doing when their badge is in their locker. Stephen Jay, the good lieutenant, here with Justin, the civilian producer. It is a fine day to be here today. It is a fine day. Once again, we're not doing a podcast day. This is more of a you know catch-up day from the live podcast that we did on 9-11 at Dutch Stadium. Yeah, it, w- it was a great time. If you had missed the live, uh, the live broadcast, this is the... Uh, uh, one of three episodes that have come out of that uh, live podcast. It was great. It was so much fun. In case you didn't see the photos or hear about hear about it, we were set up in suite number five. We called it Studio Five for Studio the night. Five, and we had a small uh, audience. Yeah, we had guys yeah. and girls from Guns and Hoses up there hanging out with us in the studio, and we were able to to do three interviews uh, and make them into these three episodes. So it was kind of cool. Who do we have on this part uh, today? We got Chip Urillo. Chip Urillo. Now, Chip's yeah, not a, a guy, guy that's out there very much. Uh, he's a guy that's behind the scenes in a lot of organizations. Um, and we're going to talk about you know his experiences and, and the influence that he's had over over the youth. Once again, I think uh, we go back to talking about how important it is to to really get our youth involved young. Yeah. Yep. The, the younger, bef- the better. Before we get into that, let's talk about our today's Cocktail Liver Conversation sponsor. And it's Christian, Justin, all the way from the country of Venezuela. We have a sponsor from Venezuela? Christian from Venezuela reached out uh, on social media. He heard about our podcast. He's been listening, loves hearing about it. Wow. And I said, Christian, we're going to throw you a shout out. We're going to make you a cocktail over conversation sponsor. So we're going worldwide. It's pretty interesting, Justin, when we look at the map of all the downloads that we're getting. It's not only nationwide, but it's worldwide. It's pretty pretty spectacular. That's amazing. Uh, The other sponsors that we got today is marketingandservice.com podcast. If you go to marketingandservice.com, you'll hear Justin, the civilian producer. I love that podcast. It's, it's great. a great one. It's one Not of my as good favorites. As this one, but it's great. Uh, Thoseguysprint.com. Those guys for all your custom apparel and promotion product needs. Visit thoseguysprint.com. So let's get into listening to our interview with Chip. I was kind of surprised about how much stuff he's involved in because, like I said, he's just a low key guy. So, without further ado, let's uh, let's hear from Chip. Chip, man, you've been listening to the podcast. You've been in our live audience here all night, yep. hearing about different stories of, of what people are doing uh, in the community. Why don't you introduce yourself just a tad to who you are and, and what brought you here, man? Uh, my name is Chip Urillo, and I I came into the community back in 2005, and my wife, Jules, Got was involved with New Hackensack, and then you guys at Guns and Hoses yep. brought us right on in. Yep, and I've uh, been a part of you, part of Guns and Hoses ever since then. And she was your secretary. Yeah, I, Jules was the. We talked about her with Will Moore, uh, just a Spitfire. I knew her when she joined New Hackensack, and I was there. And uh, a girl that just you wanted her energy, you wanted her involvement, and you knew things were going to get done when and when she was there. And uh, when when you guys became part of it together, because you were you were a package deal. Um, it was it was enlightening to have someone that would also help and didn't need to be told twice and you didn't need to ask uh, questions. It was just get it done. What can I do? And and, and I'd, I appreciated your help when, when I was running Guns and Hoses. Uh, and I know that Will had mentioned you a bunch of times and he appreciates what you're doing. And, you know, there's not a lot of Chipurillos out there. You know, the guy that's just willing to get his hands dirty and not worry about who's in charge or who's doing this just wants to help, man. So I think it's great. Yeah, well, you know, it was, it's part of the whole scouting thing. And I went up through scouting here back in the 80s, 
and became an Eagle Scout. And that was just how I was brought up. Everybody in the troop, their dads were, you know, from the military or been in scouting, and they just gave to the community. They gave to every one of us. I came from a divorced family. I had a dad that just sucked us in and said, hey, you know, I'm going to take care of you, you know, and taught me a trade, and I'm still in that trade to this day. I'm, you know, forever in his debt, you know. Do you think it was his involvement in your life that led you to being so involved in the community, like his leadership to you? I think it was it was him and my scoutmaster who is in the area. Uh, his name is, I'll give him that, Tim Dean. Yeah. He's uh, you come on in. A it's a live audience life. members being added. Well, come on, come on in. in. You're good. <laughs> but uh, between his selfishness and uh, knowing that we couldn't get there because my mom was always working and my dad, you know, uh, being divorced, he would pick us up, take us to scouts, make sure that we got to every meeting and everything. And uh, his his just openness to help me grow, and then my friend's father who helped me grow. You know, it was tremendous. So I just want to do the same for everybody in the community, and I try to give back to every kid I see. I think it's great. I mean, you, you're it's the Explorer program? It was, Yeah, I was. Uh, COVID kind of stopped it. Yep. They're trying to start it back up right now. We brought in a new uh, scout troop to uh, uh, Houstonville, and uh, those young adults now are getting ready to join the firehouse, and so now they're looking at restarting the Explorer program. What, That's what, great. Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, we've talked about this uh, over and over again on this podcast, how important it is for, for these kids to get that exposure and come in at a young age and get that jump start on, on what potentially can be a career in, in fire, right? Yeah, it is. And a lot, of the, a lot of the young adults that we had in the first group, we still all keep in contact with me on Facebook and stuff. Let me know where they're at. Some went into the military. Some went into the fire service uh, as a full-time career. Some went to uh, fire college. And they're all, you know, they all keep in touch with each other, and it's amazing. They all stay together. Just, I mean, the same thing that, uh, that's how I knew Jules. I have no, I knew my wife since we were 12 years old. We got involved in scouting. We got involved in explorers. And even when I left and went to Florida, we still stayed in kind of contact through all of our friends. And then I wound up coming back, and we got back together and got married. Wow. Yeah. I just think that the, the repetition that we keep hearing of getting the young people involved early and then really keeping them part of the community is just something we can't stop talking about. Right, right. It's just so important, and it, it seems to uh, just be the way that to get people involved. And we've, we've talked about it today and earlier about bringing people together and having that unity uh, and, and being able to have that shared bond with these people who can come in young. They get that exposure. They say, hey, this is something I might want to do. And then, you know, you guys are able to provide that guidance and that experience for them to, to make serious life choices and, and become heroes. I think it's the direction that you're able to, to help them. You know, they're already there because they want to be there, right? Nobody forces them to join these organizations, especially at their age. But if they're joining and, and they're participating and they have mentors like you and the others that we've had here, I think that really helps grow a community. And I, I don't think we talk about it enough outside of the podcast because we, yeah, we are harping yeah. on it. But I think it needs to be. What happens when a community doesn't have that ship? Is there um, an area that you're only allowed to join if you're doing the Explorer program in a firehouse? Is it anywhere? Because not every community has this program. So... What any any group can start an explorer post, whether they are full time scouts, not scouting, the explorer program is kind of independent. It is for uh, young men and young women, so it, anybody can join, and you can get together as a group. And um, it's fun, you know, it's basically ran through the Boy Scouts of America, 
but it's kind of an independent group. And, you know, you're set up with a parameter, but the parameters are easy. It's based on what you do. I mean, there's aviation groups. There's groups for firefighting, police, you name it. There's okay. usually an explorer post for anything wow. available. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. See, so we're if, learning something again. So if there's an organization, a fire organization or a law enforcement organization, they want to start uh, and bring in a program like this, the best place for them to go is probably to check with their, their local scouts. Uh, yes, or even you guys that can contact you, you know how to get a hold of me, and I'll help them get something set up. You know, I mean? oh, wow. I'll give them a hand and just tell them the right direction to go. It's that it's very simple. Awesome. It's What's the area, though, that you guys cover? Because that's where I'm, I'm wondering if a kid from Sullivan County, they don't have the program. Can he join your program? Any child can join the program. It's a matter of a drive and time sure. for the parent, and that kind of makes it hard. Of course. So if you can get at least five people, and the fire uh, department that they're going to run it from, say, for fire, uh, can get one male and one female advisor. They can set the whole program up. You need five children or young adults. And, and that discipline. And that's whatever it. Whatever that discipline and that, is. Okay. That's all you need. I just think it's so important that we, we keep these kids focused and active in something that really is going to help them in their future. And this Explorer program has really done it. I don't know what your retention rate is or if anybody's looking at, you know, if they're staying in that service or they're staying in community service. So everybody that joined the Explorer post so far to Houstonville has went through either the entire program or left and went to a firehouse. Wow. We lost no we lost no young adults from the and program. And how many kids have you had wow. go through the program now? We had 21 before we stopped. So you had 21 success stories already. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I mean, that's that. There's firehouses that I know that don't have 21 active members. Right. And you, you know? you've discussed recently uh, how the challenges of recruitment for law enforcement and fire. Right. It's it's not you know you I know you've said yep. that there used to be classes with you know hundreds of people. Now you're you're begging people to join because it's such a difficult landscape out there and such a tough environment to, to be in those careers today. So I'm sure that, again, that program helps to give that exposure and, and bring those people, new people, into those careers. I think it's great because, it's again, it's a volunteer thing. It's not a court-ordered program. you know. So you're dealing with kids that want to be there. They want to be successful. They want to follow that path to where you know, their firefighters or police officers are, right? Right, and you have to make it fun. Of course. So you, but you look at the whole, all the age group that you have, and like I took stuff, and some of it was cartoons, some of it was made where it looked like a cartoon and showed how things progress in a fire. We took them to a burn building. We gave them their own ropes. We did knot classes. We did all kinds of stuff till they were out tying all the firefighters in the firehouse. And most of everybody that graduated from here was top of their class in the academy and they could out tie everybody go. they were teaching the class because they could do the knots and everything better than most other people that were there that's There's that head start again right talk about just that little bit of a head start can have such a tremendous impact uh, in the long term for, for someone's experience it's amazing and our firehouse was very involved they all accepted everybody they brought them out we were able to ride on the trucks a couple of times so they could actually go to a live car accident you know we kept them all safe we followed all the guidelines mm-hmm. but they were able to come out and see what goes on and then they were able to do this stuff in training we got them involved in the training so they could actually see what really goes on and they got to play and see some of the tools and it's all age-based so depending on your age you got to do different things but they got to feel it they got to live it and they got to see it so it was more and more fun they got to do rig checks they got to do this and as they got older then they could do this and then as they got older they could do this and it kept progressing and made it more and more fun you said it's five kids 
in that discipline, wherever they may be, they want to be interested. And then there's obviously a mentor. What do they call a leader? It's an advisor. You have a male and a female advisor because it's a co-ed setup. So you have to have both. And are they from, obviously, the discipline? Or is it just a parent? Is it just a coordinator? It can be anybody. Okay. It just has to be somebody that's willing to give their time and be involved to make it happen. It helps that they're in the discipline. So they know like what they're teaching. Like I called and I got the current book. So I had the books of what they would learn when they became firefighter one. And we made sure they covered everything in firefighter one. Used to be called firefighting essentials. Yeah. Way back in the day. So uh, I got my little book. It was this way too. (laughs) Firefighting essentials. It was what? 80 pages. Now it's like, boom, a book. Here's the fire. Here's the hose. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The fire tetrahedron, right? (laughs) See, I'm, I'm, I'm still there somewhere. You just got to remember, put the wet stuff on the red stuff. You're good. Well, not, not really, because now we've talked to, we had JJ, the uh, firefighter Mm -hmm. Johnson, and he was talking about these electric cars, which is now a whole other thing in the education component he's bringing. And, you know, and, and you love the cars. I love it. Yeah. Tesla's were talking about Tesla's talking about and, that and, and, and uh, there's a guy that could come in and, and I'm sure do a class for the explorers and they would come in with knowledge greater than what maybe some firefighters yeah. even have yeah. you know th- this learning at, at a young age I think is so important we have there's other countries that start you in your discipline in high school or even younger right, right. yeah and I, I think we're missing those opportunities now in any discipline to say hey uh, a lot of kids don't like school a lot of kids don't want to be forced to take classes they have no interest in. But if we can drive their attention and fit in all those other subjects mm-hmm. along the way, but drive their attention to something they like, I think it drives us a more successful society. Right. And especially keeping the kids, we've talked about a hundred times, keeping the kids in the community where they're from. Right. I mean, right. we're in New York. There is a huge loss of young people yeah. when, when they go to college or when they're looking for work because yep. it's not here or it's so expensive to stay here. Correct. But when they get into the community and listen, what we just say in the last episode and 100 episodes before that, network is your net worth. You're, le- you're learning and, and meeting so many people in the fire service because especially the volunteer services, it's lawyers, doctors, uh, teachers, mm-hmm. construction workers. You have that mixing, uh, you know, that bowl of mixing people together for a common cause, but they leave that fire and they're going back to the real job. And when they see talent in a young person, which you guys are, are doing, you know, especially in volunteer, they're going to have to get a job someday. Mm-hmm. And now they've met their community leaders. They met guys, and it's like a job interview before the interview's even you know announced, right? So I don't know if you've seen success like that, where guys are literally like handpicked and saying, "Hey, come with me. You're impressing us. We we want you." Is that is that something you've seen to a degree? Uh, I've seen the firehouses. Yes, exactly. Make sure that sure. those their young youth come back to them because we were open all the way to SPAC. I mean, we had kids from SPAC all the way through down uh, Wappingers, Fishkill, Beacon. So we were open to everybody, and they made sure that once they saw what was going on, they made sure that they got their young yeah. <laughs> their young adults back. That's great. Because they didn't want them to go just stay, hey, over at Houstonville. They wanted them to come back to where they were. You mentioned your dad was kind of an influence and, and you know, your parents being divorced, but he was really the driving force. My friend's dad. Your friend's dad yeah. uh, of really making that happen. Um, what, what do you say to somebody else that's in that situation now? You know, what's some words of encouragement that you could give them to say, hey, you can do it? You can do anything you put your mind to. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was 20 years old here in New York, I got hit by a 16-year-old kid, and they told me I'd never walk again. And I am 51 now. They said I'd be in a wheelchair, and I'm still walking. And you know me. I'll do whatever I yeah, can. Yeah, you walked I'll... up the stairs to, here to get up to studio number five yep. just fine. No, but I, mean, <laughs> I would never know that. But I'll run around with the young adults at the, at the Explorer Post all day long, you know, and and keep up with them but you can do anything you put your mind to you don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do it 
as a you know like right like you said i've been a firefighter from florida and i'm only social up here um but i did 16 years in florida and we've done stuff i mean i've had to die for dead bodies i've had to launch zodiacs off of an interstate into a city to go get people out in a hurricane i mean there's an it what you do and what you can do is amazing and you are nothing but what you put your mind to it, period. Did you have that same mindset at 20, or do you feel that's something you've grown into over time? No, I always had that mindset. Okay. I don't care. You're never going to tell me I can't do something because <laughs> I will learn it, and I will do it better than what you think you can do it. There you go. And that's what you just got to keep going on. But that was from everybody that brought me up. Right. You know, even my grandfather told me, look, you learn everything you can because nobody can ever take it away from you. So I have a master's in electrical, I have a master's in mechanical, I have a UL license for photovoltaics, and a teaching degree. And I had all that before I was 30. Wow. I Nobody think, take it I away think that from message you. is important, you got to give that to you. And I think there's, you know, we're in the, the society of everybody gets a trophy right now. And no. you got you got to fail sometimes. You got to yeah. learn from failure because you never want to feel that again. Right. You know, that's a feeling you don't want. And unless you've ever had it, you don't know you don't want it because right. if you're just giving that trophy. So that, like, oh, I'm never going to walk again. Yeah. yeah you know how many times I fell me? on my face in four years or fallen out of bed or fell flat down in front of somebody because I had a hard time. I had to go through rehab to learn how to move my whole right side of my body. I don't want to put me down. Do you know what my first job was I took when I got to Florida? I was a door-to-door salesman selling air conditioning uh, uh Maintenance, basically maintenance, wow. because they said the more I walked, the better I'd become. So I walked every single job, day after day, until I could just walk without falling on my face. Wow, that's incredible. That's great. It's really incredible. Chip, we ask every guest here, uh, how do you define a hero? A hero is somebody that puts not themselves first, but goes and helps somebody else. And no matter what, that person you grow, that's a hero. What's crazy is you probably never were asked that in this kind of setting before. You probably never sat there and thought about it. You've probably never talked about yourself and what you've done with anybody else knowing you because you are a, a guy who likes to stay behind the scenes. But you just defined yourself perfectly, man. I'm proud of you. I'm proud to be your friend. Uh, you are a hero. You, you continue to be a hero by mentoring these young people and helping them become heroes also. So cheers to you, my yeah, friend. And you're a hero to the community in so many other ways. I mean, uh, Stephen and I know with, with, with all the support you give to a lot of the nonprofit organizations around, I, I mean, you've, you've, been, uh, you've just been immeasurable the help you've given this, this community. Thank you. So thank you. Well, after... Recording that with Chip and having him as a guest, Justin, I got to tell you, once again, I love that we have this platform to be able to accentuate and show off to a degree what these men and women are doing without any accolades or expectation of accolades. Yeah. And the one thing, you know, you have always mentioned that a lot of these stories don't get told because people keep them to themselves. And, you know, I know Chip, I'm friends with Chip and uh, learned so much about him in this uh, in this interview. It was cool to have him on the show. Me too. I've known him a long time. And you still get, when we sit down with somebody and we put a microphone in front of yep. them, it's so funny how much they open up. You'd almost think it's the opposite, but every guest that we've had on here, every time we've done this, somebody sits down and astonishes us. Absolutely. Every time. Every time. And I love it. So I, I thank Chip. I thank all our guests always for coming on on the podcast with us here at Behind the Tin and telling their story and really sharing their experiences so people can appreciate what our heroes are doing with the badge on and off. Make sure you like, follow, share, subscribe uh, to BehindTheTin.com. Yeah, and check out BehindTheTin.com. Yeah, check it out. We're, check out we're always website. trying to update it and make it nicer. If you have ideas, please share them with us. 
you know, we're open to that. If you have an idea for a guest or you yourself uh, should be a guest. Behind the tin at gmail.com. Thank you, Justin. Once again, thanks so much. Check out our Facebook, like, share, follow, subscribe. And until next time, look out for one another and stay safe.